Welcome to Tilth Talk Radio. Today it's just me, and with me today is Bill Schomburg. Hey guys, I mean, hey Matt. It's kind of weird, just two of us, but... Yep, so last week it was the other two, now this week it is Bill and I. So you get the B team last week, you get the A team uh, yes, this week. Yes, A team. So. A team this week, definitely. Nothing against those other two, but... Nope, they're nice guys. We like having them around, but last week... During our episode, the Bucks were 0-2 going into the uh, first two games of the series for the NBA Finals. Yep. And now, Bill, where are we at? 2-2. Two and two. Woo! That means they won two games, Matt. In a row. Yes. yes. So, so it must be our luck. Yep. They won two. Things are looking up. Now I don't know what we'll have to do for next week because uh, we got, they got to win two more. I know. Everybody seems to be jumping on that bandwagon, though. A lot of, yep. a lot of activity on... Uh, on Twitter and Facebook of Bucks and Six. Bucks and Six, yep. So but I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. I'm hoping they can keep it going, but I'm not gonna not gonna ride that train quite no, yet. No, they always say series doesn't start till someone wins on the road. So if the Bucks can win on the road this weekend probably, I don't know when they play again, Sunday maybe. Yeah, I'm not um, sure exactly when the next game is. I then they'll go, go up 3-2 coming home. Wouldn't that be something, huh? That would be amazing. Yeah. That would really I mean, that would fuel the fire for the Bucks and Six right there. That would. So. That would. Yeah. Giannis, Giannis had his game-changing block at the end of the at the end of the game there to seal it. You betcha. Yep. He kind of started at the Yeah, it was a big deal. Kind of started at the free throw line, noticed the guy was going to kind of do an alley-oop, turned and just apexed the ball and just blocked it. It was pretty cool. I watched it about 10 times, and an amazing, (laughs) like every time I watched it, you could see something different. Just looked it up. It's Saturday at 8 is the next game. Got it. They do give a fair amount of time in between these games to drag it out probably as long as they can. Yep, we got to keep talking about it. Keep having a reason to get those sponsors mm-hmm. ads, give them some ad time. That's so. right. That's right. Got some more rain last night too, didn't we? Oh, we got it, and we got it fast. Yeah, I uh, we had a field day yesterday, and that ended in plenty of time. We were kind of cleaning up, and when it came down, it came down. We were. I was glad to be done with a field day before it happened, but we all cleaned up. Everything cleaned up. I had. I was getting wet, p- picking up a few signs yet. And then as I started my drive home, all of a sudden, I was on Highway 29, wind started whipping, could hardly see the cars in front of you, I see flashers going on, people pulling over. Ooh. It was wild. Yeah. Those are tough. When you're, you're worried about, are you going to hydroplane? Can you see? You know, what, what to do? You didn't have to pull, a, like, under an overpass or anything like that. No, luckily, I was, uh, I was only, like, a couple miles from the exit I needed, so I just oh, kind of... Rode the right lane, hoping there was no semis, just barreling through. Sure. And uh, But when I got off the highway, there was a couple of people camped out underneath yep. the, yep. the no overpass. Mo- no motorcycle guys, huh? <laughs> no, I didn't see any motorcycle guys yesterday. We, sure. saw, we saw one headed into it, so. Oh, that's rough. Yeah, we were coming out of it, and that guy was going the other <laughs> way. So hopefully he made it fast and safe. So, But I got like two and a half. Yeah, I, I didn't uh, 
didn't see any numbers for Seymour, but I know it came down fast and hard. So I wouldn't be surprised if we got yeah. pretty close to that. And I almost wonder, like, I looked at my rating gauge at like six or seven, and it was really only at like eight tenths. Okay. And then when I woke up this morning, I'm like, oh, two and a half. So a lot came between like 10 and five this morning. Yeah, because that initial stuff that I drove through, I mean, it was done within probably five, ten minutes, the real heavy stuff. Right. And then it was kind of off and on all the rest of the evening. And I was nervous because, like, all the weathermen all day were talking about, oh, and maybe there was bad winds somewhere, but, oh, bad winds, could be tornadoes, you know, just watch out hail, all this stuff. And Yeah, south, like, Madison area, they were they under a tornado it. watch okay. for a while. Well, I'm glad it didn't turn into anything, and I'm glad it didn't really happen here, so... Yeah, I haven't heard of any new Durecos or right. anything this year. So. We don't need to talk about that again. <laughs> we're, we're sick of that. Yeah, we've burned that one up. So yep, yep. So all right, you ready to get into our topic for today? Let's do this. Let's do it. All right. So, Bill, this was your your yeah. thought on uh, you know we've seen some rough looking soybeans. So what do you got for us? Well, so beans looked really good. Like when it was dry, they weren't coming. You know, they weren't growing very fast, but they looked good. And then we got the first blast like end of June and they perked up and looked good. And then we got the second blast after that. And then they kind of went backwards from there. Yeah. Uh, yellow stunted, just not looking very good. And yesterday before the rain, we were scouting some fields and they just, the whole field was just stunted and yellow. And we're like, what is going on here? And got to thinking about reasons why that could be herbicide carryover. Um, you know, did the spray we used stunt it, you know, because sure. we had sprayed it a couple of weeks prior and just trying to think about all these things that had happened. And as a good agronomist should do, uh, we got our shovel out and started digging roots and kind of noticed really no nodulation at all. Um, a couple of plants were good and, and there was a tie line going through the field and that was tall and green and we dug plants there and there was better nodulation, but not great. Um, and then the field, same grower field next door, that those beans looked awesome. So we dug there too, and nodules just from top to bottom on sure. the roots. So we kind of deduced that pretty high likelihood that these... Good thing is it's the two smallest fields on his farm, so usually it's the other way. Not, yeah, not too worked up about it right. as long as it's not the big acres right. or so, along the highway. And I've had this problem over the years of nodulation. So I thought maybe that's a good topic for today is talking about why... why I mean, obviously... It's done. We can't change. right. We can't do anything about can't it. Can't do it about now. But why did it happen? So maybe the next year, we can make sure that that it didn't. So, kind of going into the what happened, why they don't nodulate, then talk about how do we determine if they nodulated good or not, and then we'll kind of talk about what to do. Um, and that's a little tricky because it seems like the research I've found is mixed. So sure, depending which state you want to believe. Um, so I guess why didn't my beans nodulate? Um, and there's a lots of factors actually that go into that. And I think, um, in this particular case, I think, um, the dry spring we had had a lot to do with it. Um, and this field had compaction. So I think okay. that was, sure. That was yep. the factors why this field, but so environmental factors are huge. Uh, pH, anything under six, we could have an issue with, with, um, your inoculant not working, saturated soils, uh, obviously water logging, those bacterium aren't good. Droughty soils in the contrary, obviously, um, you know, we have to have some moisture for the 
for the bacteria to work in the to, soil. Right, get going, yeah. Yep. And then cool cool temps. And I think there again, in this particular case, at planting, we had droughty soils and we had cold soils. Well, actually, you know, this season we've had pretty much all these factors Correct. outside of pH. I mean, we went Correct. from a droughty kind of cool soil to a wet, hot soil. Yeah. So we've, we've kind of had a lot of these situations in just a couple months span. Correct. Other things that exacerbate, no-till can exacerbate um, why things don't work as well as compacted soils. And again, I think my case here was a droughty compacted soil. Sure. When I did dig the roots on these on these bad plants, you could see the root went straight down, then it turned 90, and then it made another 90 down, so it actually made a... Yeah, a definite sign it hit something. Yeah, it yeah. hit something, and then it found another crack or a fissure in the soil or a... a aggregate and made its way down so um this these fields will definitely have to be deep tilled this this and it was right at two inches and i'm like oh did you feel <laughs> cultivate at two inches he's like yep I'm like there, there's there you your be. compaction layer yep. so he his soil at at tillage was at spring was probably a little wet and the fields next door looked really good he's like yeah i waited five days to get those ready so he was five days too early on sure these. um other things, um, obviously, poor or inadequate coverage of your seed with your inoculation. So if you don't do a good job. Yeah, you want that to stick. So right. a lot of guys are using you know, soda or something to get that stickiness there to kind of get that inoculant on there. So you want to make sure you're getting good coverage. Right. So if you're not covering those beans good, obviously you're... You're shooting yourself in the foot from the start. Or if you chose not to inoculate. Well, that's true, too. That would be yep. A, yep. a good reason why. Um, some research has shown that just lack of competitiveness of the bacteria that is in the inoculation can be a problem versus versus the, the um, bacterium that's already in the soil can be a little more competitive than, sure. than stuff that we introduce. Um, soil, uh, soil phosphorus also is an issue. Um, and basically what happens there is if we have an aluminum or a manganese toxicity, which I don't think in our soils is, is too big of an issue. Yeah. Not too common around no, those parts. Something to look out for anyway. Um, aluminum magnesium toxicity reduces the uptake of phosphorus, which then reduces the ability of that plant to nodulate. Um, and then so high soil nitrogen, you know, plants, these darn legumes can be lazy. So, um, you know, sometimes we get high soil nitrogen that can inhibit the nodulation and, and fixation by the bacteria. Yeah, that's always kind of the debate when it comes to soybeans is um, some guys like to kind of do a starter or if they're putting FOSS on, they're putting on a little bit of nitrogen. Right. And if you get too much, like you just said there, you know, you're going to you have that potential for the lazy beans that can find it in the environment so it's not going to nodulate well. And then when that runs out, uh, like we've seen in corn and beans now in some areas starting to run out of nitrogen, it, it appears, then you're kind of SOL. Very. It's kind of like uh, giving, giving nitrogen to oats. Sometimes you can yep. really push those oats to get really tall, and then they lodge, and you're like, why did we do that? <laughs> now we got a mess. I regret this yes. deeply. Yes. So, um, so yeah, another another reason why your beans could nodulate poorly um, kind of way down on the bottom of the list here, another one is molybdenum. I think I said that right. Yep. Molybdenum uh, deficiency reduces nitrogen fixation. The nitrogenase enzyme 
we need molybdenum to do that. And then also iron, boron, and copper, just some more um, micronutrients that are important in nitrogen fixation. So I think as agronomists, we talk about soil balance, right? We yep. want that soil in balance. So all these things affect other things in the soil. So we want to make sure that we don't have a a toxicity or a deficiency of any of these micros as well. So uh, something to watch if you're soil testing or even doing some tissue sampling. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times we, we're looking at the big three, uh, right. NPK, and we don't always remember to look at the, the micros and look at what kind of effects that can have and how it can, in this case, impact your nitrogen, uh, the ability of your plant to fixate and produce nitrogen. Yeah, so. and... I got to admit that molybdenum is not going to be the first on my list when no. I'm thinking about uh, <laughs> no. what to do with my soybeans here. So yep. um, just again, just some things to consider when you're wondering why your beans didn't nodulate. Most likely it's the top couple, right? It's yep. it's saturated soils. It's droughty soils. It's poor bacterium in in your inoculation. Um, maybe you didn't get the coverage. Maybe your pH is low. Yeah, I've got some fields out there that now that we've had the rain and we keep seem to kind of getting that rain, those low areas are just sitting in wet feet. Yeah. And and yeah. that's where I'm finding my poor non- going, nodulation. Is going backwards, aren't they? In those spots, yep. Yeah. So what, what can we do to determine poor nodulation? So uh, just doing a little research on some papers that have been written, because uh, I, I guess I've never looked at, uh, you know, exactly what a good nodulated plant is. You just look at it and go, yep, there's a bunch on here. So if you dig plants, you want to have at least seven nodules per plant, and they only count if they're two millimeters or larger. Okay. So so if the really a lot of the really tiny ones, it's not not quite as good. As, yeah. yeah. And and remember, don't mistaken those for soybean cysts either. Yeah. You know you can you can see those on there, and if you got a good enough eye, you can you can and if there's soybean cysts there, you can find them. And remember, too, a healthy nodule, when you split it in half with your fingernail or a knife or something, it has to be pink or red in the middle. If it's not, then that nodule is not effective. Right. And we, I've seen that, too, you know, where you get a couple of nice, good pink ones, and then you start cutting up the rest, and you're like, oh, yeah, that doesn't look like it's no. really doing much. So. Right, right. So where do we go from here, right? We got... Yeah, what do we do? We can't re-nodulate, or we can't re-inoculate, I should say, because the seed is in the ground and growing. Um, And again, to me, it looks like there's a mixed bag on what universities are saying we should do. Um, A paper from Michigan State says we should apply 60 to 70 pounds of N between R1 and R2, so like right now. Sure, yeah, that'd be right, Um, yeah. You know, in research, their research showed 10 bushels. Um. Just got to watch what form you're putting on. You know, liquid, you're going to burn leaves. Yep. Um, so you want to do dry, you know, to get down into the canopy. And then anytime you're running through soybeans at this time of year, you got to consider what you're running over. Right. You know, so that is a percentage that, that just isn't going to come back, whether that's fungicide applications or late uh, herbicide applications, anything you're doing, maybe insecticide, um, consider consider that when you're running it because you're going to run some down. Yep. Yeah. If it's you, try to follow your old tracks. If it's the co-op, hope they, they can follow yep. their own tracks. Yep. Definitely. It doesn't always happen, but as um, you can. Yeah. And, and sorry to cut you off there, Matt, nope. but 
uh, saw a paper out of Kansas State that they showed from R1 to R3, so they get they showed a little bit more time. Now, again, maybe as you go south, you have a little more flexibility than we do here in the Northwoods. Um, UW, they don't really show, and they're not talking that we really should. Like, it, the yield gains aren't there. Um, so, basically, they're saying it makes the beans lazy, don't be adding any extra. It is kind of what it is. So Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't want to run the risk of making the problem worse where you put it on, it all washes in, or we get heavy rain again, Yep. and now we're right back in the same boat. But you've spent how much money, especially this year, a lot of extra money on expensive nitrogen Yep. with no results. No results. So with nitrogen being double what it was at prepay time, probably something really, really to consider. So yeah. It's a little bit of a hard problem to solve because once it's there, it's there. And, and I think, too, by the time you realize it, unless you're diligent about digging roots, like every week or, you know, once the beans come up and get to R3 or something, maybe you need to be digging those roots every week to make sure we are nodulating. I think you're behind the eight ball by the time you realize. Yeah, when you see the visuals, then it it's already pretty much too late. Too late. Yeah. So... That's the trouble with this this issue in in our bean growth is I think you got to be diligent about digging roots and a lot of us just don't have the time to do that you know we're worried about you know planting nitrogen applications on corn and herbicide applications and just other things yeah I mean side dress on beans isn't something you no is that's I would even say a uncommon practice I've, i don't know that i've ever really seen much of that done at least not in our neck of the woods and if it was that effective you'd think you'd see a lot more right right so yep so there yeah so if you're looking at soybeans and you want to make sure that your soybeans are healthy make sure you check the roots look for nodules um, make sure you're checking as you're planting even on your inoculation make sure you're getting a good good amount of inoculant on those beans to be extra effective because once you have that lack of nodules, there's not really not a whole lot you can do but watch and hope that it's not all of the field, maybe just little pockets here and there. All right, so that does it for our main topic. Now we'll move into our spotlight for today. Matt's running the board today, so we're going to see how good he is with grabbing the right sound yes. for each. Make each, sure I don't uh, screw up. Right. All right, so our spotlight today, we're looking at Corteva AgriScience, is unveiling new corn herbicide slated for 2022, so just a year away. And we are talking <clears throat> Corteva AgriScience Resicor XL herbicide. So Resicor, an existing herbicide, contains three sites of action, acetochlor, which is group 15, mesotrione, which is group 27, and chlorpyrrolid which is a group four. So all the same sites of action will be in Resicor XL as are in normal Resicor, which was the most widely used residual corn herbicide in 2019 and 2020, hmm. according to wow. market research. That's pretty good. Yeah. So Resicor XL will build upon Resicor herbicide by featuring increased crop safety and application flexibility on corn greater than 11 inches tall to control more than 75 broadleaf and grass weeds, according to Corteva AgriScience officials. So it's going to be safer and 
increased application flexibility is always a good thing. Yeah. A lot of times we sit there and look at a problem and like, well, we can't do anything anymore because plants are too big mm-hmm. or weeds are too big. So. Right. And I know I don't have a lot of acres under Resicor, but the couple acres that I do, it did really did really well this year. Yeah, I've seen it be pretty effective. Yep. Yeah. And I know it's um, uh, being Corteva that if you got Pioneer corn, a lot of guys can can get some money back on this for yep. doubling up there. So Yeah, look for those discount programs. Um, it also says Resicor XL will offer greater tank mix capabilities or, or compatibility, sorry, with key micronutrients and other products such as liquid nitrogen and ammonium thiosulfate. So another way to get that sulfur out there again, keep seem to be hitting on these micronutrient ideas mm-hmm. here. Uh, every, <laughs> we were at the field day yesterday, it came up and, uh, I think it was Barry from NRCS said, everything needs sulfur. <laughs> like we're talking about adding sulfur here and there, but just it's like, do it. everything just needs sulfur. Yeah. Just, just add it as much as you can. And in reality, he's right. I mean, you know, we aren't getting the sulfur from the rain that we used to. And obviously manure has a good content of sulfur, but if we're not in a manure rotation. Right. If you don't have animals, if you're not getting the manure, so. It should be number four on our list. There you go. All right. So that is Resicor XL. Look for that next year to be available. So now we'll move into our Ag History Minute. Gotta love that banjo. Always a good one. All right. Today we're talking about the history of the Wisconsin Fertilizer Research Fund. So in the mid-1970s, when public support of agricultural research, research declined, University of Wisconsin began seeking new sources of funding to continue the practical applied research that directly benefits Wisconsin farmers. Soil fertility, plant nutrient, and soil management were important research areas that needed additional funding. With the cooperation of the fertilizer dealers and manufacturers and farmers as well as the Wisconsin legislature, a law was passed in 1978 that created the Wisconsin Fertilizer Research Fund. That was a good year, by the way. That the year you're born, Bill? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Bill is as old as the <laughs> Wisconsin Research Fund, or Fertilizer Research Fund. Uh, the law has since been amended to include a focus on environmental issues. Current law states that the fund is to be used on research for soil management, soil fertility, plant nutrient problems, and for research on surface water and groundwater problems, which may be related to fertilizer usage for dissemination of the results of the research and for other designated activities tending to promote the correct usage of fertilizer materials. So as state and federal research money continues to decline, to decline, private sector funds from fertilizer sales become even more important in terms of helping farmers make wise decisions for use of fertilizer in Wisconsin. 17 cents of every ton you buy goes to this fund. There you go. And uh, I know WAPAC, the state crop consultant organization, was instrumental in the like 2013 to 15 time frame, somewhere in there of getting that up to from 10 cents up to 17. So it doesn't seem like a lot, but after a time, it really adds up. Well, it adds, yeah, I was to say, if you think about the amount of fertilizer going out on those acres, mm-hmm. it adds up pretty quick. And, you know, it's to all our benefit to have that research right. in place and to hopefully have answers for when we have these questions. 
So if you like what you're hearing, please subscribe to our podcast and tell a farmer friend or any friend really to listen to our podcast. If uh, you can listen to it on a Apple device in the Apple Podcast app or on Android, some of the ones we like to use are Podbean, Player FM, my personal favorite Podcast Addict, and Castbox. That's what I use. So search Tilth Talk Radio in any of those to find us. You can listen on your computer or smartphone browser by going to tilthag.com backslash podcasts. And Bill, since I'm the one I always put on the spot for this, do you remember where you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter? At Tilth Talk Radio. Good job. Thanks, Bill. I do listen. <laughs> That's good. All right. So now we'll move into uh, Cool Beans. That's corny for this week. So Cool Beans? Cool Beans. Cool Beans. Just doesn't have quite the same it without doesn't. the no. going all the way like around. I, I was actually considering, like, do I do it? say it two more times and like try to emulate those other two jokers? But nah, we'll just do it this way. I should have loaded up. I think the the one time I did the podcast by myself, I had the movie. I think it was uh, what movie is it from? The Cool Beans. It's yeah, it's Andy Samberg's in it. Uh, Hot oh. Rod. Oh, did not see that movie, so I would never have helped you there. Yeah, there's a section in there, and I pulled up that video and had because they they say it like back and forth to sure. each other like for a couple minutes. <laughs> cool Beans. Cool Beans. Cool Beans. Just different, different. Yeah, they're uh, just doing different inflections. Yep. And, yeah. So, all right, our cool beans for this week. John Deere is making JD Link available at no extra cost. And free, 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 and 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 free. I totally, right. I totally see all the all the John Deere guys running around all the farms <laughs> doing that. Doing like, that, yeah. You get a free one. You get a free one. Yeah, they need Oprah to be their right. spokesperson. Everybody's getting a JD Link for free. <laughs> so that, to, that is pretty cool, though. Yeah. No. So in order to make things easier to connect and stay connected to their machines, John Deere is now offering JD Link at no extra cost to farmers. This switch enables farmers to quickly activate the connectivity service and manage connected machines in their John Deere Operations Center account via web or mobile app. Effective July 14th, so as of yesterday, yesterday, because we're here on the 15th, connectivity subscriptions and renewals are no longer required. What's interesting is I remember when Operation Center first came out, it was like, yeah, eventually we'll probably start charging for it. And right. it's been like the opposite. They're finding more ways of just like giving people access rolling to it. it in you got to wonder too though they're probably taking some data at the same time possibilities yeah though i i'm sure they're not doing anything untoward with it yep probably all of our because joe is going to yell at us yeah i was just going to mention I, that uh, joe's probably mad at me now sorry joe <laughs> i blame bill sorry joe sorry joe <laughs> uh so yeah after uh, logging into your operation center you'll be asked if you want to activate the service so simple as that once they follow a few simple steps jd link connectivity service will be enabled so if you're at all interested in that get in touch with your john deere dealer whether they're coming through for you or not no. which most of the, most of the state i think is oh yeah covered under reister and schnell so probably just lost our number one <laughs> our number one listener by that data comment way to go bill sorry sorry todd and matt max <laughs> All right, and our, that's corny for this week. If you've tried to order 
any type of fertilizer lately, you've probably noticed that DAP and potash trends are continuing to rise. So retail fertilizer prices are moving higher, led by two products, potash and DAP. Uh, Looking at the first week of July of 2021, potash was up 9% compared to last month, average price of $4.91 a ton. And potash has pushed higher in recent weeks thanks to supply issues and increasing global demand. The other fertilizer that was significantly higher, a 5% increase, was DAP. The phosphorus fertilizer was 5% more expensive compared to the prior month and now has an average price of six ninety per ton. What's staggering is not the 5%. I mean, that is, you know, a, a quick 5%, but DAP's up 70% from last year at this time. You know, so that's yeah, that's, that's the staggering big, right. part is how much it's up from last year. And I had conversations this week, even with twenty eight and uh, with the liquid twenty eight and thirty two, as as well as as urea. Like that, guys that didn't prepay, like ooh, I don't know if we should be putting any more on because it's going to cost me double. Right? Yeah, it's it's a big price jump once they run out of their prepay. Yeah. So no, I've had that discussion too. Of you know. All right, we're we want to push yields, but at the same time, is it worth putting that extra twenty or thirty units in out for what right. it's going to cost us? Yep. And the answer usually is no, but it's all up to how you're marking your books, right? And how much you know you're. You know, hopefully, you're going through your uh, what you have invested in your crop, and you understand what your return on investment is, and maybe you are set that you could. Add that extra higher price stuff to get that extra 10 bushels. Yep, but always make sure you run the numbers. Mm-hmm. And if you're not running numbers, start doing it right now. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's a great thing. It does not sound like this is going to change. No. Uh, no, not in the foreseeable future. Nope. So, all right. Let's do last week the guys updated on GDUs, so we thought we'd carry through and update you again this week on where we are at. So, GDUs, as of... This week, as of yesterday, July 14th, we've got here in Seymour, we're at 1,174. Our normal is 1,094, so that is plus 80. So we're 80 GDUs ahead of normal. Which is actually, I looked, the guys had last week, we're actually down, we're less positive, okay, if that so makes any sense. We haven't... We haven't built more ahead than we did last week. We've actually come closer to normal, but we're still way ahead. Well, looking at the forecast for early next week, I think we'll catch a few more. Yeah, 88 on Sunday. Yep. Sunday, Monday are both pushing close to 90. So we'll get all of our... Gainer back. Yep. All what we need. So a 14-day outlook is uh, in two weeks we should be at 1518, so 1,518 GDUs. Then we head north to Crivets, where to date they have 1,161 GDUs. Their normal is 947. So they are significantly, again this week, They're ahead. cooking it. Yeah. It's two, cooking. 214 GDUs above yeah. normal. And their 14-day outlook is 1,489 GDUs. So really, they are <clears throat> very close to us right now. Right, and look with at how that. much they are. They're normal. Like if you just take our Seymour's normal and Kervitz is normal, it's like 150 difference. Yep. And we're only 10 higher, so 13 higher. So yeah. Yeah, they are way ahead. 
And for them, I think they've gotten some rains too. So that's yeah. Up north, they seem to be getting rains all kind of along. Yeah, they may maybe missed a couple in there, but yeah, they so they they should be in pretty good shape up that neck of the woods. And then we head south to Sun Prairie, where to date they are at one thousand three hundred nine GDUs. Their normal is one thousand one hundred six. So they are again two hundred and three. So right up there with Kurvitz ahead of normal. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's and they're we expect them to be higher than us. Right. That right. that far south we're looking at just a longer growing season in general. But right. Krivitz does not have a normally longer growing season no. than ours. No, so. usually they're planting shorter days even than we are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, it's good to see, though. I think uh, we'd all rather have more growing degrees than less. You get those years, I think it was uh, 13 and 14 or 14 and 15. I forget again now. It's They all come together at some point. But when we were short, how short growing degree days, how hard it was at harvest to get things dry and have... Uh, good corn um at that point you know so yeah i think you know we're we're reaping the benefits yes this year as much as as we can be but we can wish we could bank up some of these extra right. days can we next. can we like roll them over to next year <laughs> yeah we need rollover minutes like back in the <laughs> like, day oh, with yeah. cell phones roll them over can yep. we roll over our gdus i only i didn't use them all last year I don't think that's how it works. Unfortunately not. No. Winter kind of takes us back to zero, doesn't it? Yep. We gotta always got to have that hard stop whenever the frost really decides to kick in. Mm-hmm. So there you go. That'll do it for this week. Thanks for being here with me, Bill. Yeah, it was, it was good. A little different. You know, just, two, just the two of us. <laughs> we can make it if we try. Hopefully the gang will all be back next week. We had a little vacation, you know, staggered vacations here. So Yep, so hopefully we'll have full strength, back up to full strength yep. next week. And But this week we talked about soybeans not nodulating and ways you can find out, one, that it's happening, and two, why it happened. In our spotlight, we looked at new Resicor XL herbicide, which is slated for market next year 2022 we talked about the history of the egg or wisconsin research fund and then we also looked at john deere making jd link free our that's corny was fertilizer prices continue to raise and we are still ahead on gdus we'll look next week and see if we're still cooking or what happens there so thanks for listening and as always happy farming